Hey everybody, welcome to the Gen Church Midweek Podcast, a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. My name is John, I'm the engagement pastor, and sitting next to me is Kyle Davies. Yeah, yeah. Pastor. Rocking yeah. it out today. I'm just rocking it out, man. I, I, I see you have a couple little trusty tools over there. I'm not going to give it away for those watching yes. at home. Oh, it's going to be a treat today. Yes, so Kyle, it is. We're continuing in our Mark series. Where, where are we at right now? So we have just encountered Jesus, uh, basically be wanting to be crowned king. Mm. So, so we Wait, have Jesus wanted to be crowned king. So no, he is king. Okay. So, so like the the people, the crowds wanted to crown Jesus as king. They basically wanted him to be this freedom fighter. I picture Star Wars of like we got to go take out the Death Star. You know, yeah. let's find the plans. And so the the whole reason Tom for Solo that, yeah, yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like depending on which which series, you know. We're, we're getting into, but it's like at the end of the day, what it really comes back to is people misunderstand who, who Jesus is and John the Baptist has been beheaded. Therefore, people are, are lo now looking to Jesus in a, mm. in a new and a different way. And as Jesus sees them, he sees people and encounters people and his disciples with a lack of purpose, a lack of direction. And so they're still around the lake of, you know, the Sea of Galilee. And so that's where they're at. And so, yeah. so we, we've seen numerous people respond differently to Jesus. Uh, but the last really encounter is the crowds are flocking to Jesus up in Galilee. Okay. So that's kind of where, that's where we find ourselves uh, in today. And so John, as we get into today's passage, uh, go ahead and like give us the rundown of what we're looking at today. Yeah, so kind of quick rundown what to expect for today is basically what we see is, as Kyle's saying, we have these large crowd, crowds that are gathering around Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's spending a lot of time with them. And so now what you're beginning to see is some of the cultural customs and some of the traditions of the Jewish culture. And so today we're going to see the Pharisees and some of their scribes mm -hmm. coming around him. Uh, and them, it says they come from Jerusalem and they see Jesus and his disciples and they're eating and their hands aren't washed. Mm. And so immediately. Wash your hands. I, yes. First off, wash your hands. Gross. <laughs> but second, like the Pharisees are looking at this and saying, hey, Jesus, like mm. you're, you're talking about like being the Messiah and everything. You're the one to go. But why are you breaking the traditions our culture has had yeah. for so long? Like these are written in the Torah. Yep. Like these are, these are written to, of like how we can be clean. And so we can go into the presence of God. That was yeah. the big thing around a lot yeah. of this, of why they wanted to be spiritually clean. And so even like you see some of the different things of washing their hands, holding to the different traditions. Yeah in the marketplace and stuff like this. And so the Pharisees begin to ask Jesus about this mm. and what he, that he has this nice little one liner. He says, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the traditions of men. Mm. And what he begins to use, he uses this example of Moses talking about honoring your mother and father to parallel this kind of, um, this example of God's commands versus man's traditions. Mm. And so Jesus kind of continues on and his disciples are asking him, they go, all right, Jesus, hold on. You just gave us a parable. I don't quite get it. Yep. I need you to explain this because Jesus talking in his parables, his disciples are like, hold on, like, let, let, let's talk this out yeah. real quick. And so they go into this a little bit more of a conversation where Jesus basically gets around to this point that you're, what is, comes out of you 
is actually what's unclean, not what you put into you. And so he mm. begins to break down this this culture of these different foods in which they could or could not eat. Yeah. And this leads to this conversation of cleanliness and uncleanliness against the Jewish traditions. Mm. So Kyle, as, as we kind of um, talk about this, and there's a lot of things to, for us to kind of point to, like what do you begin to observe as you look at this? Like what's your, what's your one thing that you, you notice? This is a long interaction that, that yes. Jesus has with this group of people. I, th- I, yeah. think, I think to me, that's probably the most noticeable. And most people are like, oh, there's all these other examples. There's all these things you could. I just, mm. I, I think the reason why I, th- that observation stands out to me, like this is the, probably the longest interaction. If, if, I'm, if, I, if I know Mark well <laughs> enough, uh, this is the longest interaction that Jesus kind of has in terms of communicating back and forth. Mark is pretty boom, 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 boom. Yeah. But, but there's something that Mark felt was important to, to like chronicle this back and forth. And so I just, the fact that, that Mark takes the time to outline all this. And so I, I just find that so fascinating because also uh, Jesus cites, you know, Isaiah the prophet, yeah. you know, he, he, he talks about Jewish tradition. And I, I'm just thinking Mark's audience isn't necessarily going to know this if, if we remember Mark's audience is kind of Roman Christians, like they're, they're not going to be super familiar with all the Jewish customs. So it's like, why, why do you do that? And so I just, I mean, there's something here that Mark felt like he had to tell the whole story in yeah. more detail to, to make this point. So I just, I, yeah. I just find that fascinating. John, what do you, what do you just notice about this passage? And I like, we've talked about this a couple times now, and there's this reoccurring theme about, uh, about the cleanliness and the uncleanliness. And now what we see is that it's kind of mm. shifting from, oh, there's this person who's sick and they're ritually unclean and they have to be on the outskirts of society. But now it's some of the mundane tasks of the way in which we live our lives, the things we do, the things we eat, the, the preparation we do even before we eat. Yeah. Like th- there's a lot of these, even like talking about the mother and father, like there's different uh, cultural traditions that have shaped some of God's yeah. commands yeah. in which people have said, oh, this makes you unclean in our society because this is how we interpret God's command. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's reducing and redefining true purity yeah. is probably the best way that I if, I, if I had to sum that up, is what I see Jesus doing through this passage is he, he's redefining what purity really is. Because as you have said, for them, like there's a lot of external things to do to yeah. maintain purity. And let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater in terms of like a pure purity standards was very important to God's yeah. people. They were responsible to uh, point people to Yahweh, the living God, and the way in which they is living differently. Yeah. And, and there, some of these standards were in place yeah. for proclamation and preservation of the people. So like, mm-hmm. If like cleanliness is a good thing, especially in ancient societies, yeah. if you didn't clean, you know, disease was going to run rampant and basically kill people. Yeah. So therefore it makes sense that, that some of the ceremonial cleansing and just the ritual cleansing and just the, just the cleansing that they yeah. had to do as part of, of life, the distance that they had to create if someone was, you know, had a disease or something yeah. was actually for preservation yeah. of the community. 
So, so, yes. so in two ways, it's pointing back to God and the preservation of the community. But what Jesus challenges here is if that's the only way in which uh, people begin to define what purity is, yeah. then they've missed the mark. And he points to an example of Cor Corbin, or basically is what yeah. it is, which is setting aside uh, a portion of your property or money designating it for God's purposes. But once you did that, say you needed to come back to it yeah. and you're like, hey, my mom and dad's got to move in with me. Like they're yeah. sick. I need extra money or I need extra land to sell or do something yes. with so that they can be a part of it. Basically, the Pharisees and the preacher were like, nope, you dedicated that to God. You ain't getting none of it back. And Jesus is saying yeah. that's hypocrisy because how can you expect someone to honor their father and mother when they're like when you're not allowing them to take back some of the land which hasn't been used, hasn't been sold, is still rightfully theirs yeah. to honor their father and mother with. You're actually maintaining control yes. and power with that. So we see a hypocrisy or an inconsistency that Jesus points out in the life of mm. fair in, in, in the Pharisees here. Yeah. Okay. So, like, as we begin to go through this and we kind of talk about this different shift in purity, and I even think something for us to kind of notice is, like, this is Jesus talking here. Yes. And, th and this level of atonement is kind of shifting. Like, they had to have a formal way of becoming clean. Yes, like, yes. Like, there, there was a, a bill to pay, and now Jesus is the one who will pay that and does pay that. Yes. So, as we begin to see this and he begins to make this shift, what do we learn from God in this? Well, I think what we see is that... The heart behind the law was always love of God and love of people. It was not a commitment to standards for the commitment to standards yeah. sake. It wasn't like, here, I'm going to pull out the tape measure. <laughs> it is. wasn't like, okay, guys. it wasn't like, okay, here, here's the standard. You got to get to here. So you need to do everything you can to get to here. And it was like, it was much more concerned, less about the, the actual standard, but actually the effect of the standard yeah. on others. Again, it was, it was their witness to, to the nations. Yeah. It, it was, it was the preservation of the people. And so what you see here is, is what we learn about God is, is God ultimately cares about mm. internal purity that manifests itself in external purity. Yeah. And the external purity things were to remind them actually of how they were unclean on the inside. Yeah. The external customs were reminders of how they were, they were unclean mm. uh, internally, how they were impure internally because as you would do some of these tasks, it's like, okay, I'm going to wash again. And it's like, oh yeah, I had that thought. Like I did that thing or, yeah. you know, I, I've, I, I want something that my neighbor has. Mm -hmm. And instead what Jesus here in this moment is saying, I care about internal and how that shows up externally, because that has much more, I, I, I would say just, just power in effect and much more consistency with who God is because who God is always leads God to action. Yeah. And God wants that same standard for us that, that who we are stems from internally and shows up externally. And, and who we are internally is a, re, is a response and a recipient of, of who God says we are. So if yeah. he gives us some, some things to do that, then say that we're, in, we're unclean internally, then we're legitimately unclean. But yeah. if, but then if he makes us clean internally, that needs to show itself internally. So, yeah. John, as I as I start to articulate some of the the distinguishing uh, 
remarks there about what is clean and what is pure and you know what is what is impure and you know what is what is unclean and as as we look at kind of all this all this cleanliness stuff sometimes today we don't always think in terms of cleanliness or uncleanliness <laughs> purity and purity those are those aren't yeah. words that we always use what might be some phrases or experiences in life that we could say, while we might not talk in those terms anymore, we experientially recognize that that's still a part of life today. Mm. So I, I kind of, as I'm processing this, I, I think a big thing for us to begin to notice, and I think this will kind of get to your question, is, is when we look at the world around us and we look at the, the nature in which uh, the world is and people who are followers of Jesus like we should understand that people are not going to live in which we live mm. there is going to be sin there's going to be corruptness there is brokenness to this world there is n like just natural sickness and disaster that goes on around the world and so this level of intake like we're going to take that in because we're going to see it we're going to hear it we're going to have to process through different things that are happening around us mm. what I think like kind of mm. where we begin to get is what what is almost just kind of brewing in your heart mm. is as we take in and we see the different things, as we see the people around us who, who get a new car, who get a nice house, is jealousy growing mm. within our heart. As we see people who say something or do something that we disagree with, does anger and um, just this resentment towards that person brew in our heart? Mm. As we begin, like, um, as we look at other people, do we begin to have lust? Do we begin to have that jealousy that mm -hmm. those things what, what's going to happen is living in a broken world, we're going to see things, we're going to experience, we're going to hear things. What, what I think Jesus is coming around to is what, what is affecting and shaping our hearts? Yeah. Is it the things in which we're, we're seeing, we're perceiving, we're hearing from the world, or is it who Jesus is in God's word? Yeah. Is it relationship in covenant with him? And when we talk about this covenant shift, it is this mutual relationship where God has invited us in to this friendship, to this loving relationship with us. Yeah. That there's, there's, there's this level of, I'm gonna do this and you're gonna do this. We're gonna keep, we're gonna keep this yeah. oath to each other. Yeah. And God has invited us in to that. And so I, I think that's what we begin to see here, that it's out of the heart of the man that we begin to see as it lists out here. Out of the heart, we, we have to be weary of evil thoughts of sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, pride. I think that's a big one mm. in which we're even seeing in the world today. And I, I'm not sure if this is answering your question, but I, I think this is where we begin to see this, um, what, it, what it tells us as yeah. a man, that really what we need to be watching is, yes, there's, oh my, man, like, I mean, you can't watch any TV show now <laughs> without a level of worldliness in it. Yeah. I, I can't watch The Good Place. I can't watch Game of Thrones. I can't watch any of this stuff yeah. without a level of, of sin or corruptness in which I well, see. Well, and the fact that you would even say, like, that you would make a, a value judgment and notice that, like, when, when those things yep. happen, it's like the fact that we still speak in terms, maybe not the term guilt anymore, mm -hmm. but, the, but, but when there's a level of shame. Yep. And what we mean by that is someone to, to really evaluate us and our actions yep. At, on some level, someone would disapprove, yeah. or 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 if we really opened up ourselves, if we were really examined, then, then we would be rejected. And so, uh, and then the guilt portion is that that we've we've done something wrong, like where we don't where we don't meet some standard, and so we feel 
you know, kind of kind of shame is is the uh, kind of almost internal feel, and then guilt is like, you know, that the the external standard that it's like, okay, I know I should have done that or acted that way, yeah. and I chose not to, and then I I caused you know a fracture in a relationship or something yes. didn't quite or I didn't make the right choice there, and it's like, and there's a brokenness there, and it's like, man, I got to do something yeah. to make it up to that person. Mm-hmm. So I so I think sometimes when we use that language in today's world, I got to make it up to them, or I got I got to fix that, or man, I, I feel like I just I got to do something to keep a level of approval or, or we got to do, we've, we've got to, um, even create certain standards for ourselves and others. So we don't feel like we miss the mark Mm. because if we self create the standards, then we can kind of always hit the mark. So if it's like, okay, if, if, using a basketball analogy, like if it's like, okay, the standard in basketball is to make like two free throws out of, you know, out of 10. And it's like, you, you make that the standard because you know that you're only going to make two out of 10. Yeah. Then it's like, sweet. I don't, I don't have to feel guilty or inadequate because I met the standard. And so we try to change certain standards for, for in society. We try to change certain standards. Even we, we try to do it um, in religion. I mean, let me, let me yeah. get this one. Uh, Dave Chappelle had a, had a, had a great, uh, had a great bit, uh, in sticks and stones. And what he was talking about is he goes, uh, let me, let me actually have the, the quote here that I can't do it in the Dave Chappelle. Like, like, like I, I got to leave out a few words, uh, but he's like, Hey, if you do anything wrong in your life and I find out about it, if I'm going to try and t- if I'm going to try and take everything away from you, I don't care what I find out. It could be today, tomorrow, 15 or 20 years from now. If I find out something about your past or your present, then you're finished. I'm going to do this and that, and then you're finished. I'm going to levy out some level of justice. And then he asks the question, who's that? Like, and you know, the audience gives all kinds of responses. Oh, we think it's that political figure, or we think it's that celebrity, or, you know, we think it's that piece of technology. And in the perfect Dave Chappelle way, he goes, that's you. Mm. And what he's communicating is that there is something inside of us that we know that we either have to to move the the standard, adjust the standard, move the mark, Mm. or... Um, find and to find some way to justify because there's still something that doesn't quite add up. And so we look at with binoculars yeah. at the lives of others to try to figure out what is wrong with them so, so that we can make the focus on them rather than make the focus about us and our own inconsistencies and our own uh, hypocrisy, which is, which is present in every, yeah. I mean, every follower of Jesus has that same thing is, is we yeah. all have that level of, uh, hypocrisy and inconsistency. And the goal is not to pretend like it doesn't exist, but to be honest about its existence. And that's where Jesus, he, he, he blasts the Pharisees here is because yeah. he's saying you're pretending like your own inconsistency and hypocrisy doesn't exist. Yeah. And it does. So stop trying to justify yourself, trying to try to have a level of, uh, self criteria so that it makes a mark. And he challenges them to say, so if this is not what it is, it's actually what is internal than what comes out. So John, as we, Mm. as, as I say that, and I, I even just give some of 
those examples. Yeah. How might we respond to the challenge that we have a propensity or, or just maybe the claim yeah. that we have a propensity to either move the standard, adjust it to self-justify, but even if we're not someone who wants to self-justify and we recognize um, that we do feel a level of shame and guilt, what's the remedy in light of this passage? So I, it's funny, I was actually having lunch with someone the other day and we were talking about something similar to this. And I think one of the, one of the things in which the American church has lost uh, that we see prevalent in the early church and in scripture is this idea of confession. Mm. And really at the root of it, it's, it's not this, I'm going to sit down and uh, just say everything I've done and I'm good and I go home. Yeah. No, rather what it is is with someone you trust, maybe, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a close friend, or maybe, mm. um, maybe like you want to find like a pastoral figure or someone you look up to. Yeah. And you sit down and you say, hey, this, this shame and guilt is on my heart. Mm. Hey, I have, I have fallen short here and I've held this back and I haven't told anybody and it's been brewing mm. in my heart. It's led to forms of depression. It's led to this shame and guilt in which I've held myself back. I've held myself away from other people mm. because I haven't been willing to share this with somebody. Yeah. And what, what you begin to see is that out of this idea of confession, mm-hmm. And someone who's able to, and this is where it can be even the flip side, is you're able to offer this up to someone else, is someone who's able to sit there and listen, to hear the story, and value that over the sin. And say, yeah. hey, I see you the way Jesus sees you. Yeah. He loves you. Yeah. He values you. He doesn't forget you. He doesn't write you off. Rather, he shows you grace for that. And you don't have to feel the shame and the guilt and the weight in which you've been carrying all your life because Jesus carried that to the cross. Mm. And we're able to do that for others, mm. it radically changes because even what you're saying, Kyle, like, I mean, it, it's so easy, like in our culture that we look around and we say, this person has done that, writing them off, not going to watch their yep. movies. I'm not going to listen to their yep. podcast anymore. I'm not going to interact with this person and rather what the church can say. Well, we cut out the yeah. negativity. Yeah, we cut out, I, that, that, yeah. That's that's something that's super popular to say is, well, let's just, let's just cut it, cut it out, yeah. get rid of it. And yeah, and what we see here, and I, I think this is what Mark shows us time and time again of what this culture would say is ritually unclean. The people that should not be around you, Jesus, is the same people that Jesus is inviting in. Yeah, because uncleanliness creates barriers. Yes. And the, the beautiful thing is that um, Jesus doesn't allow the uncleanliness of others to create those barriers. Yep. He, actually, he actually breaks them and says... I'm, I'm pursuing you. I'm going to, I'm going to make you clean. And so when we sit in our perspective, we think the uncleanliness of others is, is what actually creates the barrier between them and us, but it's actually our own impurity and uncleanliness from our heart that sizes someone up, evaluates them based on some standard that actually is the, is actually creating the barrier and the distance from from them. And so what Jesus is saying, it's, it's actually what comes out that is creating that barrier, not some set of external standards, customs, others choices that, that are choosing to create those barriers. And so for us, where I think that starts with is it starts with confession. Mm. Uh, and just as, as you said, and I think the result is community. Yes. It starts in confession and it results in community. And I, I think 
for, for so many of us, we want it to start in community and then we want it to result in confession. But I think for us to begin to realize that it's actually when we begin to confess where we're actually at with others, that reduces the distance and the result is community. And and it's community with God and community with others. Because I think the important thing for us to know is that there's there's no one too good, no one too perfect to not have anything to share and confess or sin yeah. in their life. Hey, even when you go back to the, the uh, Old Testament, which this is referring to, yes. one of the practices in which they had is that they would sacrifice for the sins that go unnoticed. Yes. For the things in which you might have slipped through your mind of that moment you're driving through traffic, you yeah. get mad at that person, you yep. you might hold back that, that finger or something, but there's still that anger in your heart. Yeah. Like th- there's still those moments where these things begin to creep into our life. Yeah. And the thing that we get to recognize in community is that we are all unclean yeah. and it is by Jesus that we are made clean. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing. And we're able to come together and we're able to deal with the unbrokenness. Yeah. We're able to say, hey, these relationships aren't going to be perfect. There's going to be moments, there's going to be friction. There's going to be times in which mm-hmm. we're going to get on each other's nerves. But the beautiful thing is that Jesus unites us and brings us together yeah. into a family. Yeah. And two words that I would throw out and that as, as we kind of finish looking at this passage is is Jesus still says there's sexual immorality there's theft there's murder there's adultery so it's not it's not that there's no standard yeah it's not he's not condoning immoral behavior he's not he's not he's not condemn he's not condoning at the end of the day but he also doesn't condemn us he doesn't say that we're unfit for use based on these what, what he does is he looks at he, the, the condemn and condone quandary and says, I will make you clean. I make you fit for use. Yeah. And ultimately, that's where it comes back to. And we get to experience that through confession, yeah. through community, and remembering that as Jesus looks at us, as he sees our story, he sees our background, he knows what we've gone through. He, he's not condemning us. Yeah. And he's actually calling us to something higher and greater, which is pointing us back to a true love of God and a true love of others. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for joining us this week on the Gin Church Midweek Podcast. I hope you took something away from this today and you're able to follow along in your everyday faith study guide and you're able to even go through some of these questions and have some of these observations as well, because we want you to know that you are not alone. You are not forgotten, and your story matters. Let's be everyday people, wherever we live, work, and play, who are continuing to grow and pursue Jesus together. Have a fantastic week. Deuces. Cool. Good? Yeah. That's actually really good. I'm half tempted to say...